Hey everybody, it's uh, it's Paul. I'm John. And uh, we're here uh, we're here doing our uh, our next Madman Catch Up episode. This is for episode ten. Uh, we small hours. Uh, we find out in this episode that Conrad uh, Hilton is a uh, uh, madman, indeed. Uh, we find out uh, that uh, well, uh, poor Sal is one of those people and has to get fired. And of course, Don. Uh, hot for teacher. So, um, makes for an all around great episode. How did you like it, John? I thought it was a great episode. I, I liked it a lot better than last week's. I thought a lot of stuff happened. Uh, you find out even more uh, about the main character, you know, Don Draper. And um, it really enjoyed it, even from the get go, where, uh, you know, Miss Betty Draper kicks the episode off with a little fantasy of that creepy government guy, Henry, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. Francis. Henry Francis. Oh, were you testing me? Maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, it proves his overall creepiness again with uh, her little dream fantasy of, uh, of him uh, um, um, uh, peeling her clothes off um, on, that, on that creepy French... Uh, the fainting uh, couch. It's the fainting couch. fainting couch. It's obnoxious. And I, I, I'm, I don't like that guy. I don't like that couch. I don't like Betty. It's uh, all, all around off-putting for Paul. Um, I don't think we can prove his creepiness in her dream. That's not his fault. It's her dream. Fair enough. I believe he would have done it like that. Uh, so Betty is woken up by uh, a phone call from that dream. And who, who's it from? Uh, but Crazy Conrad Hilton, who uh, in this ep- episode really um, uh, shows his madness by um, calling Don when, whenever he wants, almost constantly, at home, at night, uh, asking him for things, asking him to come into the city and have a drink with him. It's... It's crazy. They even make a joke that he uh, calls more often than the two-month-old baby wakes up. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that uh, this Conrad character has become such an anchor of the show. Uh, I mean, this 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 episode and last episode uh, are really... Uh, well, I don't want to say they anchor around him, but they, they, they certainly do... He certainly is anchoring uh, a, a large portion of Don's life. Absolutely. And I think they're trying to use him to maintain their ties to that advertising world to keep it from becoming a total soap opera. Um, you know, there, a lot of stuff has been Hilton, Hilton, Hilton in the workplace. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to do with it. Well, they've, they've got to tie it back to an ad agency a little bit, for Christ's sake. Um, but uh, so so that, that late night call uh, gets, gets Don up and... Uh, he uh, can't go back to sleep, so he uh, gets in the car and says he's going to the office. And on his way uh, to the office out of the neighborhood, who does he run into? Um, but uh, Betty, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sally's teacher. Uh, Former out, teacher. Out night running. Just night running. Just night running. And Don tries to pick her up, tries to be smooth, in many- has to give her a ride, ask her for coffee. Picks her up in, 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 in more than one way, John. Hey, oh, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and like you alluded to uh, before that she is, you know, doing the hard to get. She's being very flirty. And I think uh, Don's liking that, especially with uh, Miss Angry Pants back at the house. And, you know, I think it's true. Uh, this this her. She doesn't. She just doesn't. Th- this character doesn't strike me as someone that Don would go after because she just doesn't have. Um, that thing that he's missing from Betty, which is uh, a real kind of uh, forcefulness and take charge. 
uh, the other women that he's been um, philandering with have really had a much stronger personality than Betty. And I, I thought that was the attractive uh, a bit about them. Uh, this woman even says, uh, are, are you just pure? Or are you stupid? I can't tell. I, it, she, she's, too, she's too idealistic to seem to, I mean, a, a, other than, just, you know, for purely sexual reasons, for Don to be interested at all, it's, it's kind of strange. No, I disagree. Because, yeah, I think you just nailed it on the head what is attractive about her, that pure, whether it's stupid or, or completely altruistic, that pure innocence, he has a wife that is so jaded to her situation that she, you know, she's nothing but unhappy and I think he said paranoid. Uh, whereas, whereas this woman represents the opposite in that and, and has an attractive shell to frame it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, he drives her back to uh, pretty much where she lives and uh, he tries to get her to go for coffee. She turns him down, um, which Don isn't used to. She gets out of the car and finishes her run. And uh, Don heads to the office to uh, start working on that stuff for Conrad. And he, you know, he gets there. He finds out Conrad's gone a completely different direction. We, you know, we're finding out that this guy is uh, really all over the map, uh, whether it's phone calls or literally around the map. And they're they're, they're uh, trying to make uh, Conrad seem as eccentric as possible, right? And you know, Don gets his team, which pretty much is Peggy and those two random young guys, to get a couple of ideas. They come up with ideas. They're all shot down. Uh, I love that line where you know. He goes, the tagline, that's terrible. And Peggy says, it's yours. And Don says, it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> it you know, uh, we, we've been noticing this. That in, these, in these past few episodes, he's been getting uh, uh, more and more uh, standoffish. I don't know if that's the word. But, but difficult with his staff. Uh, I know that he's, uh, he's having a bit of a problem with Peggy because she's becoming more demanding. Um, and... But it just seems overall that he's unhappy with the staff. And I mean, he's under a lot of stress and whatever. I mean, we've all seen this kind of stuff. But uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem to be, uh, seem to be, ha- seem to be happy with his people. Uh, and he, he, gives, he takes these, these kids' pants down uh, with their ideas. He doesn't, he doesn't like anything. He says, give me more ideas to reject. He can't do this on his own. And he's trying to. But I think, I mean, if anybody, you, you should be able to kind of empathize with that position, you know, where you've been given projects to come up with whatever 50 or 100 concepts and what 98 of them are going to be turned away. I mean, I think that's kind of the position these people are in. That's their, that's their job. True. True. Uh, it certainly does. Uh, it, it, it's probably more, uh, more true of the creative field uh, where you're right. 90% of what you do is, is garbage. Um, and then from here, we really jump tracks over to uh, the Lucky Strike account, the cigarette manufacturer, mm-hmm. and them shooting a commercial with uh, Sal as a director. And uh, I guess Pete's just kind of overseeing it. Well, P- Pete's the account man. you got to remember Sal's the, right. uh, Sal's the creative on the project. Uh, and this, I mean, it's, I mean Sal, Sal's storyline is, is one and one thing only, uh, closeted gay man. And this is... Uh, this is his second real um, proposition, I guess. Uh, and unfortunately, it happened. No, this is his third. I'm sorry, because he had the guy. There was a there was a guy from out of town that he went to dinner with, which was kind of the first the first real one. And right. then at the beginning of the season, I think it was the first episode when they go to London Fog. Uh, he starts making out with the bellboy, which is kind of funny. Right. And, which Don sees, which is which is important here. And then there's this one where. Um, 
the Lucky Strike Man, like seriously comes on to him in the uh, in the screening room, in a locked room, close, yes. you know, tiny room, no one there, and uh, I, mean, I gotta say, it, I didn't see it coming. I mean, no. I, saw, I mean, of course, you see it coming once he starts leaning on to Sal and whatnot, because the Lucky Strike guy comes off as like a cowboy. You know what I mean? Which is kind of funny because gay cowboy, that makes me laugh. But uh, uh, you don't see it coming. Sal, as always, is uh, not only like uh, stunned and taken aback, but just like again reminded that um, he's in the closet and, and his life, uh, he, he's living a double life, uh, but he, does, he, he obviously doesn't want to. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, he, he still stands by his... Uh his original uh, decision. He's like, I'm married and the lucky strike guy goes, so am I. And, uh, he gets creepy, but you know, I, I, Sal could not have been more professional. He, you know, opens the door, says, we'll have the commercial ready for you. So, you know? I, mean, I mean, Sal is doing his best to deny it. I mean, uh, from himself. Uh, oh yeah. He certainly, uh, he certainly knows that he can't, he can't come out of the closet and continue to do what he does. Right, right, and but you know, so the lucky strike guy, uh, he walks out. He calls the uh, guy in charge of television, Crane, and says, "You know, that's it. I can't work with him," and doesn't give a reason. Just says, "Fire him." And of course, Crane is in no position to fire anyone. He can't no. fire himself. He's no, an idiot. I, I gotta say, I didn't, I didn't think the Crane character was such an idiot until this uh, episode. Like he just sat on it. Like, I would have told my account man. He should have told Pete. Right. I mean, who cares? I mean, he can tell Pete. Pete's not going to tell the client. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like Roger said, you're he- I mean, everyone here is an account man. You're here to keep clients happy. All of right. us. And it's true. And yeah, I absolutely. Did love, I love how Roger went off on all of them because he's awesome. Oh, yeah. Roger, I mean, it, 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 uh, you know, I, I want to grow up to be Roger. <laughs> I just don't have enough hair. Nice or enough money. Uh, so then the other the other uh, storyline which continues is of uh, Mr. Henry Francis's correspondence that starts up with Betty, which is also just very strange. Everything Betty does is strange, uncomfortable, and off putting. Makes for a great character, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so she starts this correspondence with him. Uh, which starts out with, you know, does anyone read these? Which obviously she's she is very paranoid about getting into any uh, relationship Downs. with yes. with him uh, for fear that someone could find out. Uh, she's very careful. She also when he he stops by the house because you know he can't he can't bear to be without her. Well, this is after she writes him the letter, right? This is well, yes, and. Uh, the uh, the help catches them, and she becomes very paranoid. Introduces them. They kind of uh, uh, make up this lie about you know, oh, we could have a fundraiser here, and she's like, oh, totally. Let me ask my husband. Could you please show him out? Blah blah blah. And then uh, Don comes home, and when Don comes home, um, she's scared that the help is going to say something. She brings it up awkwardly. She goes all the way through with this whole fundraiser thing. Oh yeah, all the way through. Even has the fundraiser. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I think Don could care less. Oh, I I disagree there. You mean care less if she has a fling? Not care less if she has a fling, but I mean Don's not. 
Don's not going to accuse her of anything. No, no, not at all. He, uh, I loved his response. He's like, as long as I don't have to go. Exactly. You know, that's, that's all he could think about. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know. Also, and then, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to finish off the, the, the Betty storyline because, you know, she flips out. She has this, um, she has this fundraiser, and he sends, uh, you know, this woman that's in charge of the office to come and give a little talk. He is a no-show. And so she takes the contributions from the fundraiser, goes in, throws the thing at him, all pissed off. Um, he comes up with some smooth line about how she had to come to him because it was her house. Uh, you know, he locks the door. They have a share a quick uh, kiss. And then she, you know, then she goes into this shell. She really has no idea what she wants. You know, she says, you know, what are we going to do on, on the desk, on the couch? You know, that's, that's a fantasy for a lot of people, but not her, apparently. Um, and whatever a, she a, says, that's that's a fantasy for a lot of people, job. Well, for yeah, I mean, if you look at the studies, their studies. Oh yeah. Do you have access to these studies as a doctor? Well, yes. <laughs> I I have access to nothing. <laughs> but anyways, you know, so she she gets she, she all of a sudden becomes standoffish. She's like, I'm sorry, I started this, and and walks out. You know, it's it's very. She really has. Uh, almost no no idea of, of what you know what she's doing true and i think that's what makes everything that she does so awkward like her character is, is designed to not really have a, a you know a driven goal whereas you know don is you know he's he, everything's a goal you know it's, it's land the account it's get the best work from your employees it's get the next girl yes. you know and so i think it, you know that even makes her more awkward all right all right uh so then, uh, so then Crane, like like we said, uh, to to move back to the Lucky Strike and Sal situation, uh, uh, when the Lucky Strike man calls uh, Crane, he's obviously drunk, and Crane knows this. Uh, so instead of doing anything and telling Pete, like we said, he sits on it. When he even says, he's like, "I'm not going to do what I always do, which is something stupid," you know, and then he does something stupid. He does something exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, so then they they're having the meeting to review the commercial they were making uh, for Lucky Strike. Uh, Lucky Strike Man walks in, sees Sal, just turn around, doesn't say anything, and walks out of the building. And this causes a shitstorm. And like I said, uh, Roger just went off on them. He told Crane, you're going to use your last breath to go talk to Don and get him to fix this. Because that's what Roger does for everything. Anytime there's a problem, Don's going to fix this. Pretty much. I don't under. I mean... The thing is, is Roger's really smooth and he can fix a lot of things. But anytime he gets a chance, and and I'm thinking, is this because you know him and Don are at odds now, and he's just like, well, f Don, he, he's got to do this. I don't know because this this has kind of been a theme since the show started. You know, I mean, Don's been called on to go and, and douse fires, big fires, and fix um, everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, this is kind of how things have been set up. So uh, Sal, Sal knows the situation. Obviously, he didn't uh, tell Roger. And as Crane walks to uh, Don's uh, office, Sal follows him and says, listen, let me take care of this. And Crane's like, no, no, no. I'm going to do what I'm told. So he goes in. He tells Don about half the story. Um, Don, Don gets, you know, pissed. As Don says, Lucky Strike can turn off their lights. So, of course, he's pissed. Right. He said it was a $25 million account. In 1963. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in true uh, worm fashion, uh, Crane uh, <laughs> tells half the fact. It just kind of runs out of the office because he's freaked out, right? Right. And then after a little bit of probe, probing, um, Sal finally tells him, 
you know, finally what happens. And, and instead of Don having any sympathy, um, I think this was a bit of a shocker for, for probably some people. You know, he, he, uh, you know, he, utters, he utters the line, you people, um, you know, which is, never comes across well. Never. <laughs> I got to say, uh, I was one of these people who was completely stunned because uh, the way that Don handled it in the first episode when he, he saw uh, Sal going to town with the bellboy, um, he was very uh, he, he sensitive. Lost over it. Yeah, non-judgmental. And I thought he was very sensitive because in uh, I don't remember exactly what he said to Sal on the plane about the London Fog thing because as, as Don tends to do, uh, you know, he, he kind of speaks in riddles, yeah. but it, he did, he did seem to be very, uh, sensitive to, uh, the fact it was very much just like, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about this. Whatever you do is what you do. And, uh, you know, right. And that's but, that. he, but here, but here he, was a complete opposite. He was just like, uh, because, cause Roger fired Sal because when, uh, Crane told him that, uh, in fact, the lucky strike man wanted Sal off the project. Uh, he says, well, Sal, you're fired. And Sal is completely stunned. And, I mean, honestly, I'm completely stunned, too, because you wouldn't straight out fire a guy. You would take him off the account. Right. Especially, especially someone of Sal's level. Right. I don't understand why Sal got fired. It seems, it seems unusually strange. But it's a show, so it doesn't matter. Right. Don says to Sal, I think you know this is the way it has to be. Sal well, is stunned. Oh, yeah. Well, and before, even before that, I, I felt... Uh, you know, Don goes, who do you think you're talking to? Kind of insinuating, like, that Don knows, you know, that, that he knows a little bit about Sal and, and his orientation. And I don't know. You know, I think this could be some foreshadowing for some episodes to come um, where people might find out more about, you know, Don and how he's not what everybody thinks. Right. But, uh, but yeah, you know, he, he, uh, he really lays into Sal. He gives him a, a cold handshake and that's it. Sal's out the door. Pretty much, uh, you'll do fine. Yeah, you know, and, and a very sad scene. You know, Sal calls from a payphone in the middle of the park around, you know, with people around the uh, uh, fires in a trash can, um, you know, pretending to still be at work, yeah. letting his wife know he won't be back. And so I hope this isn't the end of Sal on the show, uh, that we'll see something, you know, kind of with like with Joan, uh, we'll see him coming back. I got to say, I feel like, yeah, uh, characters are are uh are falling away from Sterling Cooper and I wonder if this isn't um I, don't, I find this very strange. Uh you know, uh I feel like Peggy is potentially about to leave Sterling Cooper. Uh I feel like literally Don could leave well now Don actually can't leave Sterling Cooper cuz he had that uh contract. Right? Right? Um because I I was under the opinion that we could lose Don at any minute from Sterling Cooper. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially with, you know, uh, potentially Sterling Cooper being on the bubble itself. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of real world. You know, they're, they're oh, considered a, a small time firm relatively compared to some of the other ones. And I mean, uh, New York ad agency, people are moving in and out constantly. Right. Right. So it's yeah, it's, it's not an unusual thing. Um, but so, then to, you know, so so that's kind of it with Sal. And then. Uh, you know, to kind of uh, you wrap it up at the end, Don. Uh, well, I think I think actually there's we're we're missing a little part. Uh, were you were you going to start talking about Don presenting to Connie? Oh no, I was about to miss that. Okay, well actually you're missing two little parts. 
earlier in the episode, um, uh, uh, Connie makes another late night call to Don and says, hey, can you meet me for a drink? And Don's like, it's 11 o'clock at night. And, and uh, Connie's like, listen, you're not the first person I called, but, uh, you know, you want to join me? And, of course, Don always says yes. So Don gets up, goes in, and they have this very father-son kind of talk. And uh, Connie says, I mean, kind of, kind of un- unusually, thank you for being my angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a little weird. Like, really very, fa- like, you know, you're my son. You're like a son to me. In fact, more so sometimes because I know you came from nothing and built yourself into what you are. And Don got choked up, you know, having not had the best fatherly relationship when he was a kid. Um, you know, I think he really, really appreciated hearing that kind of thing. Sure. Um, you know, and then after that little interlude, he comes in, he delivers this killer presentation about how to market Hilton worldwide. And, you know, and what does, what does Connie do? He kind of, he kind of, he goes crazy. He said, you didn't give me the moon. I asked does two moon. things. He, he, yeah, he, he mentions he wants, he wants Hilton on the moon. And I mean, anyone would take that as just, um, kind of hyperbole. Like, yes, exactly. Um, and Connie's doing two things here, I think. Number one, uh, being eccentric and crazy. And number two, uh, putting Don back in his place. Because quite possibly after the conversation they had, Don thinks he's got it made. Don thinks, listen, I got this guy in my back pocket. He sees me as a son. He called me his angel for Christ's sake, uh, which is strange. Uh, but I think, it's, I think it's a way for Conrad Hilton to be like, listen, you know, uh, yes, I like what you do. You do amazing work, but I want you to go the next level for every presentation you show me. I think I think he made his point. You know, I think Don kind of got it that hey, this is not uh, this is not all wrapped up. I'm you know I got to work for it, but it's a great client, and he'll keep working for it. I can see I can see this. I I that would just be endlessly frustrating as a. Um, Oh yeah, as uh, creative. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you know after the after that exchange, um, kind of the next thing that you see is Don heading into uh, Crazy Teacher's place. Well, again late night, telling Betty that he's going to hang out with Hilton. Yeah, he actually wakes up Betty and says, "Oh, uh, did you hear the phone?" She says, "No." He says, "Got another call. I got to head in." And he goes straight over to her house. Yeah. Her apartment, who's yeah. she's renting from somebody that lives in the house next to it. Right. And he and pretty much just gives her the old Don Draper charm and says, hey. Um, he pretty much says, I want you, and I know you've been thinking about me. And and then uh, let's, I guess that works. Let's get it. Apparently, that's, that's how things are done, John. And, and then the music starts. And take notes. Overall, good episode. I thought the, uh, I th- I thought the Sal storyline uh, was probably the most most surprising part of the episode. I'm I'm not I got to say I'm not that excited about the whole Betty storyline with this Francis guy. I know I've said that a 100 times and if says uh, you know you're probably sick of hearing it but I don't care. I I agree with you and I don't think it's going to go on uh too too much longer. I'm sure they'll find a, a different angle for Betty to uh to go after. Um, I'm sure the Don storyline with the, the with both Conrad and the teacher is going to continue to get more and more interesting. Um, an absolutely say, very good show. I gotta say uh, one thing. I really think the guy who plays Conrad Hilton is really good. Oh yeah, he's really yeah. good. I feel like I've seen him before and stuff. He's not. Uh, yeah, he's in Hoosiers. 
Uh, I've never watched Hoosiers. What are you kidding me? All right. Uh, but he's really good. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's I think I think that's one of the, the calling cards of this show. I think to this point it's been exceedingly well cast. You know, everybody in their roles, you can see them doing that just perfectly. Except so. for a little Bobby Draper. Is that his name, Bobby? Well they've they've already changed him once. They've changed him. I like yeah. the other kid. Yeah, I I agree. You know that kid asked but, for like a billion dollars. Uh, not exactly essential to the story so far. No, other than just getting beat up by Sally, right? Nice. nice. Not, a, not a whole lot going on for that guy. Uh, so just just real quick, uh, that was pretty much the whole episode. Uh, and we'll be putting out another one soon. But I just I, for our for our fans, I wanted to say we're getting uh, we're getting some recognition, John. There's been some uh, on our podcast page at the Madman Recap in iTunes. We've gotten a few uh, a few reviews. We're doing okay. Not too bad. An average of three and a half stars. Hey, you can't be that for two guys that don't know what the hell they're doing. I got to <laughs> say this. Um, we had uh, our best review was someone who wrote unpretentiously funny uh, because, let's face it, we're not funny. <laughs> I mean, you are. I'm just a jackass. Uh, and the, But both of them uh, both complained uh, that uh, your mic was so shitty they couldn't handle it. And that has been resolved. It has. Doesn't John sound amazing? He sounds like butter flowing through melted chocolate. Thank you. We'll give a little plug to the blue snowball. The snowball. For for helping us out today. Hey, you know, if you're doing a podcast out there, and uh, uh, don't use the snowball over over iChat because uh, it doesn't work. You get a bad echo. And so we had to record the show twice. But it worked out. It did work out. Uh, the the other uh, reviewer was not as kind. The unpretentiously uh, funny gave us four stars. The uh, the other reviewer uh, Tess W uh, PFD seventeen I, I don't know um, only gave us three stars and called me out for being drunk in the first episode. And I don't want you to change. I you know I'm not drinking this episode because that really <laughs> that 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 really got to me and I I, I got to stop looking for uh, my answers at the bottom of the bottle. But we're going to continue to uh, to do the show and keep trying to do a good product, and hope everybody enjoyed it. A good product, I love it. Uh, so, uh, so we're almost caught up, John. Almost one more to go. One more to go, and, and we're going to try to pump that out uh, this week. And then, uh, wh- when do you go to China? I leave November 9th. You leave November 9th, and then uh, I've already asked John if we can have uh, Kate fill in. You may remember her from the first episode when you could barely hear her uh, while she was doing her nails. But uh, we'll be coming at you with uh, another Mad Men recap later this week. All right, John. We'll talk to you then, pal. All right. See you. Bye-bye.